This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. For the next few weeks, I'm doing something a little different. I took a few weeks off from producing episodes this summer to regain some sanity. I'm still working a full-time job while making truce. Rather than pause the show, I thought I'd present two mini-episodes that will help fill in the season. One this week, and one two weeks from now. And then we'll get back to normal. If you're new, I recommend starting at the beginning of Season 5. The first episode is, What is an Evangelical? Okay, here we go. This mini-episode is called, Looking Backward. God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity, with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. Now that we've read and discussed an entire audiobook, let's look at another work of fiction. Julian West was a wealthy man in Boston in 1887. I like to picture him with a monocle and a mustache like Mr. Peanut. Uh, On with the story. Of course. Julian is trying to build a house so he can get married to his sweet, sweet girlfriend. But there are all kinds of labor strikes. It's the late 1800s. People are literally dying when guns are fired into picket lines. Julian just can't get anybody to work on his house. Who shall install my sconces if the working men are protesting? Exactly. The dude needs his sconces. And he can't sleep. So he hires a doctor to hypnotize him. Like you do. Your eyelids are growing heavy. You're not even thinking about sconces. Julian West goes to sleep. For a long time. A really long time. Until... Where am I? He's finally awake, only to discover that he pulled a Rip Van Winkle. He rubs the crusties out of his eyes and learns that it's the year 2000. He meets this guy, Dr. Leedy, who shows him around. Now, Julian doesn't recognize his city. Boston is clean. The people are happy. There are all these open public spaces, amazing buildings. The good doctor tries to explain. And the lines you're about to hear are not from the book. I made them up on my own to speed things up. When you went to sleep, the city was in turmoil. Large corporations merged and merged again, oppressing people. 
It became such a nuisance that the government took them over. That's right. Under the new plan, the government runs everything. As a result, in this vision of the future, there are no political parties. No corruption or poverty. We make everything the nation needs right here. You begin work at 21 and retire at 45. Boston in 2000 is a worker's paradise. Julian settles in so much that he gets engaged to his old fiancé's great-granddaughter. It's a little creepy, but, you know, works with the story. Things are honestly great for Julian. Then he has a nightmare. Oh no, I'm back in the 1800s! In his dream, he sees what he left behind. The dirt and smoke, union strikes, monopolies like Standard Oil, financial crises. Oh, the humanity! And he wakes up. <gasps> it was all just a bad dream. He gets to stay in Utopia. That's the end. The story of Julian West. Super basic. Hardly any plot. He falls asleep and wakes up in a socialist heaven. He has a conversation. That's about it. Feels like just enough for a short story, but believe it or not, this book was a bestseller in its day. It was called Looking Backward by Edward Bellamy, and it sold half a million copies in just three years. Now, it's sold over a million. Now, the name Bellamy may sound familiar to longtime listeners. Edward's cousin, Francis Bellamy, wrote the first iteration of the U.S., Pledge of Allegiance. I did a whole episode about him in Season 3. BTW, the Pledge of Allegiance, was written by a Christian socialist. Now, this show is not pushing socialism. I am not a socialist. It's just one of those facts that really smacks a guy upside the head. Uh, how were Edward Bellamy's predictions? Honestly, kind of terrible. He didn't guess any of the stuff we had in 2000. Not cars, cell phones, the rise and fall of boy bands, Y2K, nothing. And unless I missed it, we are not living in utopia. Bellamy got lots of stuff wrong, but the content of the book sparked discussions all over society. He called himself a nationalist. Now to you and I, it sounds like socialism, but he didn't see it that way. It's hard for us to grasp these days, but socialism comes in different flavors. The nationalism that Edward believed took the basic tenets of socialism, minus the revolution. Instead, progress would come as humans evolved and without bloodshed. The evolution of our species would do the trick. Not only that, but everyone in his vision spookily agrees with each other and with the state. They are all in service of the state, which means giving up your freedoms like being able to move where you wish, the diversity of opinion we relish today, and the power of choice. But in exchange, you get Utopia. Looking Backward is an important book, if nothing else, for who it inspired. Did you ever read Upton Sinclair's book, The Jungle? Sinclair was a fan of Bellamy's work. I like to think it's why the whole second half has no story and is essentially a socialist rant. It's mirroring looking backward. And full disclosure, the author of The Jungle ruined a perfectly lovely bus ride to church camp for me in high school. 
Hey, Summer Reading, thanks for nothing. Bellamy sparked a torrent of utopian fiction, and dystopian responses like 1984, which is like the opposite of looking backward. This book should feel a bit familiar. We just finished listening to In His Steps by Charles Sheldon, an almost utopian novel that challenged Christians to ask, what would Jesus do before doing anything? It pictured a world where living like Jesus would make the world a better place. Both of these novels saw world history as trending upward, getting better and better, though by different means. There was this brief glinting moment in U.S. history where it seemed like anything was possible. Maybe we could fix our government, repair our hostilities, end all war, if people could just come together and legislate appropriately. But there was a group of concerned Christians who considered this idea unbiblical. They read the Bible and saw just the opposite, that world history trends downward. And their ideas were growing in popularity. It was their mission to wake people up. (laughs) To demonstrate that this was not a dream to be grasped, and to do everything in their power to end the hypnosis. We'll get to that soon, but I want to plant this idea in your brain or the coming episodes won't make as much sense. There was real concern at the turn of the 20th century that the U.S. might go socialist, that this optimistic feeling in the air might hide something sinister. Now, that might sound crazy, but the Russian Revolution, this dark vision of communism, was soon to prove that theory within the realm of reason. The turmoil of the socialist Paris Commune of 1871, which I cover in this week's Patreon bonus, also shook people to their core. Liberal theologians with their ideas of progress were actively jettisoning core concepts of the faith like the resurrection and the virgin birth. Now, we like to blast fundamentalists, but before you get out your pitchforks and mean tweets, there were real threats. As some thinkers attempted to marry socialism and modernist theology, premillennialist dispensationalism saw the future as dark. Which side would win? If a person were to fall asleep for a hundred years, would they wake up in a dreamland or a world careening toward the end? That's it for this mini-episode. As I said at the top, there will be a few more on their way in the coming weeks. Subscribe to the show so you get every new episode as it's released. And please tell your friends. If you found this show interesting, consider donating a bit to support the show at trucepodcast.com donate. Help out on Patreon and you'll gain access to bonus materials not heard anywhere else, like my post about the Paris Commune. Finally, it might be worth checking out season three of this show, which is all about how the fear of communism impacted the American Christian church. There's even an episode called What's the Difference Between Communism and Socialism? Check it out. Special thanks to all the people who gave their voices to this episode, including my brother, Nick Starin, my friend, B.T. Stevenson, and Chris Ridgway of the Device and Virtue podcast. Okay, 
Talk to you soon. Truce is a production of Truce Media, LLC. I'm Chris Starin, and this is Truce. This episode was brought to you in part by The Table Podcast at Dallas Theological Seminary. Listen to rotating hosts discuss issues of God and culture to demonstrate theology's relevance in everyday life. Find it on your podcast app. For videos and more, visit dts.edu podcast.